Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Well, I do want to uh, talk this morning a little bit about what I feel the Lord has started. This service is a little unique because we've gone two weeks in a row where we didn't really get into uh, a sermon per se. We kind of had a message, but we had message through ministry. And so it's a little bit different. So this service was kind of two weeks behind of first service. So I was trying to figure out, Lord, what do you want to do this week to get everybody caught up and on the same page? And I don't know that he really cares. <laughs> it was kind of the way I took it. So <laughs> I'm like, all right, Lord, well, let's just talk about whatever you want to talk about and whether they're caught up or not. I don't, I don't really know. But hey, we love the Bible here at the Rhodes Church. If you get them, let's open them up to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, don't forget encounter services are this week. Uh, please do three things. Number one, make sure you're coming. Number two, make sure you've invited as many people as you can to come. And number three, above all, make sure you're praying. Pray, pray, pray for what God wants to do in the encounter service. We're wanting people to encounter Jesus, not us. We're not looking for people to say, our church is great. We're looking for them to meet him in the water, in their chairs, on the carpet, wherever they want to meet him, wherever he wants to meet them. That's all that we want to do. And remember, this is why we're praying. There are people coming that need miracles. Like they're stopping everything to come here. Man, that's huge. I mean, people that have no hope, they said, we'll be there. So that's not they're coming for me. They're coming for him. So we're praying because their hope is in him. Our hope needs to be in him. What an honor and a privilege it is to have a place where people are coming because they're desperate to encounter Jesus. Let that be a place, Lord, that we host your presence, that people will come from all over for you, just for you. In Jesus' name, let it be so, Lord. Matthew chapter 16 been talking about uh, Jesus saying he would build his church. And so I want to get into that a little bit today about from the context of how, remember, we are the church. It's not when he says, I'll build the church, I'm not talking about a building. When he's saying, I will build my church, he's talking about you. He's talking about me. He's talking all of us that are believers, all, all that are followers of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus yet, you can be today. The church are those who've given their life to Jesus, not those who sit in a church. Just so I'm specific, right? I mean, it's not to condemn anybody, but I needed someone to be honest with me and tell me what was the truth for me to change my life. I didn't need someone to sugarcoat me and tell me some pie-in-the-sky stuff and I stay the same thinking I'm all right. I needed someone to say, Chad, you're not in the church unless you've given your life to Jesus. Just because you sat in a church doesn't mean you're a part of the church. So when he says, I'll build my church, he's saying, I want to build my followers. Let's, verse 13. Let's just jump right there. Sorry, get ahead of myself. Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. I want to stop there for a moment. And catch this before we go on. 
When it says in verse 13, Jesus came into the region of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, it's easy just to read past that, right? I mean, those are words that are maybe hard to pronounce, doesn't really matter, yada, yada. We move on. But this one's really important. When it says he comes into the region of Caesarea Philippi, geographically, just to give you an idea, Caesarea Philippi is 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. So this is up in the very northern part of Israel. And this area is not Jewish dominant. This is pagan territory, demonic territory, other, worshipped other gods. So this is not an area like Jerusalem where you got a bunch of Jews. This is an area, a bunch of Romans, a bunch of uh, Greeks, a bunch of people from other backgrounds, other religious affi- affiliation. And it was a uh, place that was largely focused on pagan worship. There was a cave near this city. And they had an ancient shrine in the cave dedicated to the worship of the Greek god Pan. And we don't have time to go into that, but it would be a great study if you want to on what the Greek god Pan, one of the things the Greek god Pan was was fertility or sexuality. That's what Pan, the the Greek god, was focused on. So there is a, a major emphasis on the worship of sexuality. And how many know there's some issues about sexuality and identity that's going on today? It's all coming back from this same area. He said it was believed to be, this area, this cave where they were, was believed to be the gateway to the underworld. So this was a huge place of pagan worship. They believed that this was the, remember the terms, the gateway for the underworld. All right? The access point, the gate to get to the underworld was this cave. So now they traveled all the way up to Caesarea Philippi. And he begins to ask these questions there. He asks the disciples, who do, who do men say that I am? They said, well, some said John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. So he's curious. He goes up to this place. Remember where it is, Caesarea Philippi, center of pagan worship, the gateway to the underworld. And he says, who do people say that I am? And then he says, well, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter pipes up in verse 16 and answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Messiah. You are the sent one from God. Where did he make this statement? It wasn't in Jerusalem at the temple. It wasn't on the streets of Jerusalem. It was up in Caesarea Philippi at the gateway to the underworld. Jesus never does anything on accident. So it's curious to me how he walks all the way up there to have this conversation and ask them this question. Let me wait till we go up to where the place of Greek god Pan and the the god of sexuality and perversion and the gateway to the underworld. Let's go right in front of that cave. And let me ask a question. Who do people say that I am? That's fine. Who do you say that I am? So that Peter could say out of his mouth, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I can imagine Jesus would just say, say it, say it. (laughs) Say it out loud. Say it for all the underworld to hear. Right, let's just open in the cave, point into the cave and say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He was saying right there, there's a reason I'm telling the whole underworld the Messiah is here. 
I want the gateway of the underworld to know I'm here. <laughs> and I came to destroy the works of the devil. So he, Peter makes this proclamation. Jesus said, thank you, thank you. You are very right. I'm adding that part. That's not in there. But if you're looking for what verse is he in? Verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, or you didn't get this through rational knowledge. You didn't get this through logic or reason, but my Father who's in heaven revealed this to you. So great answer, Peter, but the only way you knew this is because my Father revealed it to you. It came through revelation knowledge, not rational knowledge. So it's not something you could figure out because you tried Jeremiah, Elijah, one of the prophets, John the Baptist. But he, your, my father showed you that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So revelation knowledge came to him. And that's why you're blessed because you have knowledge that can come from the father and not from rational knowledge. Here's what's important. God's saying something for us today that we still need to hang on to. There is a knowledge available to us that doesn't come through rational knowledge. It comes from revelation knowledge. And I'm emphasizing this because I think it's what God's telling us we're going to need to build up. Look at what he says in verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. What is that rock? That rock is Jesus. On this revelation knowledge of Jesus... I will build my church. Where was, he going to, where was he making this statement again? At the gateway to the underworld. You know what that means? Like, th go through here, and this is the homeland of the underworld. In other words, this is the devil's front porch. This is in front of his house. All of you say this is his house. Well, I'm going to come to his front door and say, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates, gateway of Hades shall not prevail against my church. He's not saying, he's not saying, I'm going to build it. This is the gateway of hell. I will build my church far, far away so it'll be safe and never have any problems and never have any adversity, and never have any opposition. I'll get them in a, a secure place far away from the big bad devil. No. Jesus said, I'm going to come to your house. And I'm going to say, right here, I'm going to build my church, and your gates can do nothing about my church. <laughs> Brothers, what we got to understand, God didn't want the Christians to be people that hide and are scared of what the devil's doing. They want, we need to be people that say, devil, you can't handle what God is doing in our life. We'll come to your front door. We'll be right here. Aren't you afraid of what the devil Jesus said, I'm not afraid. I'll build my church right here. Plant my church at the gateway. Say, all right, I'm going to build it right in your neighborhood, and you can do nothing about it. Why is he saying that back then and why is it relevant today? For people that get scared and wonder about what's going to happen in the world, the bride of Christ rise up and realize we can be right at the front door of the devil and he can do nothing. He can do nothing about it. I'm not saying we won't ever have difficult times. I'm not saying we won't ever have trouble. We will. Everyone he was talking to right there in that day was martyred. But he still built them up and the gates of hell could st not stop the building process. 
The gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders, chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. So now, Jesus begins to give them all this information, what's going to happen. Then Peter took him aside. Remember, context, Peter pulls Jesus, the Son of God, aside and begins to rebuke Jesus, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Jesus, with every bit of loving and pastoral guidance he could give him, so kind and gentle and merciful, verse 23 said, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Yikes. I mean, want Jesus to call you Satan. That's not your best day. That's not your best day. That's not the day I'm going to write down in my journal. The day the Lord called me Satan. Let me put that in there. October... I might need to spend some more time in prayer. Get behind me, Satan. Look what he said, though. This is important. You are an offense to me. You are a a trap to me. You are a scandal on to me, an, an offense, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Context, what we're wanting to talk about here. Remember, Peter heard from the Father... And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter nailed it, got it right. Revelation knowledge came to him from God. Boom, answered it right. Just a few verses later, all of a sudden, he begins to think in rational thought. And he says, no, Jesus, you're not going to go to the cross. You're not going to die. You're not going to be raised the third day. This is not going to happen to you. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Your mind is still full of the things of man. And it's not full of the things of God. Here's what he wants the church to be ready for and here's what we have to grow into. He's wanting us to be more full in our mind of the things of God and less full in our mind of the things of men. Our problem is we're trying to navigate this world with only rational thinking and we are going to need revelation thinking. We're going to need information that only comes from God. We're not going to make it on just what I can figure out. I'm not able to figure my way out. I've got to hear from God and have him show me, how do I need to handle this situation? What do I need to do in this circumstance? I'm going to need more than just logical, rational thought. I'm going to need to hear from God. We're all going to need this, and that's what he's saying to the body of Christ. I built my church on this rock of revelation, and that was true in then, and it's still true today. So how's he going to build us, how's he going to give us revelation thinking? How's he going to give us voice from God or or instructions from God? Let's go to John, the book of John, um, chapter 16. John chapter 16. Go here, then we'll go there, then we'll go there. Then we'll go there, here, there, and yonder. John chapter 16. Jesus said, I will build my what? Church. Let me try again. Maybe you're still turning pages. Jesus said, I will build my what? Church. Church. Who's the church? We are. We are. You are. People are. So now he said, I will build my church. So the the concentration today is on 
How does God want to build his church? He had Peter. This is, again, this is the initial part of his church, just his disciples, his followers. And Peter nailed it in one moment, and then he blew it in the next. Does that sound like any of us? Yeah, that sounds like me. That I nail it in one moment, and then I blow it in the next. And so he's saying, I've got to build you up so that your nailing moments far outweigh your blowing it moments. Does that make sense? My blowing moments when I think in the flesh, when I think according to rational thought, my nailing it moments is when I hear from God. It's never attached to me. <laughs> Whatever's attached to me is going to be a blow it moment. But when I hear from God, that's going to be a nail it moment. So he says, your mind, Peter, problem is your mind is still too full of natural things. I need to get you full of my things. So Peter was trying. He's trying to grow, and that's what God's saying to us. we got to be more than just good people that go to church but still think rationally all the time. we got to be more than that. we got to be more than just trying to figure our way through life and think, well, if I just make enough money, have a good job, then I'll have no problems. That's not true. If this Bible is true and Jesus really is the Son of God, and he really is coming back, then what's happening in Israel is a precursor of something that's going to get way more significant. And we can try and hide in our rational little world and just keep our head in the sand and say, I just got to have a good job, make some money, and make it to retirement. And that's all. No, it's much bigger than that. There really is a God in heaven, and his son is really going to come back, and he's really going to put his foot on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem and split it open. That's all really going to happen. Then all this theory about self-help talk is going to go out the window when we see a Jewish man flying through the air. We'll be like, what in the world? It's real. Yes, you will not be thinking about your 401K. You will not, in one moment, you will not think, wait a minute, what's this going to do to the stock market? You won't. You know the first thought we'll have? Jesus. And that Jesus coming out of our mouth will either be Jesus or it will be Jesus. It'll either be the great, the Bible says that the end, the, the day of the Lord will be a great and terrible day. It will be both. It will be the greatest day in the history of our, our life when we see him, if we're looking for him. It will be the most terrible day in your life if you're not looking for him. You're like, well, I don't think that's very nice. I didn't write the Bible. John chapter 16, have you found it? So do we need rational knowledge or revelation knowledge? We need more revelation knowledge than we need rational knowledge. And this is what God's trying to tell us. Look in, in verse 5. How are we going to get this, this re revelation knowledge? Jesus is talking. This is in the red. Verse 5. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where I am going. But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart because I'm going to leave. And they were not excited about that. They're with Jesus, and he says, I'm going to, I'm going to leave you. And they're not happy about that. I understand. Look at verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. How many knows Jesus always tells the truth? Whether we like it or not, he tells the truth. It is to your advantage. Everybody say advantage. advantage. It is to your advantage that I go away. Why would it ever be to our advantage if Jesus, the Son of God, would go away? 
He says, for, I, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. He will convict the world of righteousness. He will convict the world of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see him no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. At the moment that he's telling them these things, he said, I got a lot of stuff I want to tell you. But you can't handle them right now. So did Jesus still have stuff to say? Yes. But could they handle it? No. Even coming out of Jesus' mouth, but we got to get this. Jesus was saying, I could tell you more, but where you are in your current state, you could not bear what I tell you. What does that tell me? The more closer I get to God, the more I can handle what he's telling me. If I stay away and I live a very superficial life in my relationship with Jesus and I'm just a church attender and I don't dig in for my own relationship with him, there's only a certain level of information he will, he will be able to give me because I won't be able to bear it. He'll try and tell me more and we'll be like, oh, you know what we'll run into? What? Oh, Jesus. Here's, I better hold on to this. I might need it. You know why he says they can't bear it? Because what happens to all of us, and it happens to me, so I'm in it with you. When God begins to tell us things that run up against our rational mind, it comes up against that filter, and it hits our logic and our reason head on, and we're like, wait a minute. I don't think that's the problem. That's the problem. We're trying to think our way through a relationship with the one who created the eyeball. We're trying to think our way through like he's got to run it by me for my approval, for the one who created the sun, created the earth, tilted it just a little bit, caused it to go around on an axis just so fast so that I don't even feel like it's moving while it's spinning around the sun. And I want him to run stuff by me. <laughs> what in the world? That's what happens. This is why we need revelation knowledge because rational knowledge will limit our comprehension of what God wants to do in our life. He wants to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or. But yet, we want to give him the stamp of approval when he gives us direction. I need you to do this. You're not, well, let me pray about it, Lord. <laughs> yeah, let me pray about it. But he says, it's to your advantage that I go away because I'm going to send the helper. But look what it says in verse 13. So you. You can't bear these things. So we cannot bear them in rational knowledge. We can only bear them in revelation knowledge. What it says in verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all mm, truth, 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 truth. What is truth, Pilate asked. What is truth? What is truth today? A lot of people asking, what's truth? Well, what's true for you is not necessarily true for me. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears. So whatever the Holy Spirit hears from the heaven, from heaven, from the Father and the Son, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it 
to you. So now here's what he wanted to build the church on. He wanted to build up the church that we're not limited by rational knowledge, but we also have access to revelation knowledge from God through Holy Spirit. This is why we need Holy Spirit in our life. If you've never heard about the Holy Spirit, you never heard a message on Holy Spirit, I'm just going to intro it. We'll get into more of it next week. But he's telling us that the Holy Spirit is our person that's going to speak to us what he hears from the Father and Son. So here's the value of the Holy Spirit. He says, to your advantage that I go away, because there are things that you're going to need to know that you can't bear them, you can't understand them, you can't handle them without the Holy Spirit who speaks to, I want to get ahead of myself, the Holy Spirit speaks to your spirit. He does not speak to my brain. Holy Spirit speaks to my spirit. So when he speaks to my spirit, my spirit says, yes. And my brain says, what? <laughs> so in that moment of conflict between my logic and my reason and my spirit, I have to decide who wins. Is my logic and reason going to win out, or is the Spirit of God going to win out? And this is what we all got to decide. And this is why, how God's wanting to build us up beyond the limitations of what Chad can figure out, what Chad can see, what Chad can understand. That doesn't make sense. God never tells me something so that it will make sense to me. He tells me something so that it will make faith in me. That he gives me a word and says, Chad, this is what I say. This is what I say about your situation. This is what I say about your life. Well, I, don't, I can't see that. I can't fathom that. Lord, that, that doesn't make sense. That's not what it looks like. He said, I didn't tell you what it looks like. I said, this is what I say. And if I will grasp what he says and put it into my heart and say, wait a minute, I don't know it here, but I believe it here. So I will put it in here and I will cause it to grow and grow and grow until my mind begins to catch up with what my spirit has. We have to understand that God's wanting to give us a boost out of rational knowledge living into revelation knowledge. Why is this important? I think preparatorily speaking, if I can make up a word. I'm not sure if that is one or not, but it sounded great coming out. I'll look at it later. But you know what I'm saying? From a preparation standpoint, things that are coming on the earth, we're going to need to hear from God. We should be hearing from God our whole lives, right? But I'm saying there's things that are going to come. The Bible says in the end, many will be deceived. How will they be deceived? Because they're limited to rational knowledge. If we do not know the man that wrote this book, and I do not know his voice, the Bible says in John that my sheep know my voice, and they will not follow the voice of a stranger. So because a stranger sometimes will paint a very logical approach and path for us to follow. Well, this is what makes sense. This is what you need to do in the name of safety, in the name of health, for your own good, for your own good. Wait a minute. What if the Lord says, I don't want you to do that at all. I want you to go over here. I want you to do this. I've got to decide, am I going to go with rational knowledge or revelation knowledge? And if I don't know the voice of God, I'll be led astray. But we need the Holy Spirit. We need Holy Spirit. Who's our advantage? Holy Spirit. And this is what I felt like God wanted to do today. He wants to give us revelation knowledge. 
Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.